If you don't want to take a disgusting, dirty bus or an old train to one of these far-flung places or even maybe like they call a bus filled with chickens and laundry to the wine country of Georgia, okay. which almost happened it's to us. a mashrutka. Uh-huh. Okay, please call it by <laughs> okay. its proper if name. If you would rather take And it was not filled beautiful- with chickens. <laughs> it was filled with people and some Trash. trash. Oh, right. Certainly right, right, not right. chicken. There was okay. no chickens. We're not in Central America. Okay, here. Why did I think there were chickens? Uh, you're thinking chicken buses <laughs> in Central America. Okay, anyway. looping all these places together. <laughs> the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 337. With 6.4 million international visitors, Prague was the 20th most visited city in the world last year and the highest-ranking Eastern European city. However, it still falls behind seven Western European cities. Vienna, which was 19th in the world, Rome, which was 17th, Milan, 14th, Amsterdam, 13th, Barcelona, 12th, Paris, 3rd, and London, 2nd. Can you guess what the number one most visited city is? Listen all the way to the very, very end of the show to find out. We've been to Eastern Europe. We've been to Western Europe. We want to go back to both of them. And the cool thing about going to both of those places is that I know when I'm traveling, I am going to be bringing my Tortuga backpack with me. Why? Because it's classy enough for Western Europe and it's certainly rugged enough for Eastern Europe. So no matter what part of the continent you are going to or Maybe you're not even going to Europe at all. You're going somewhere else. If you want the best travel backpack out there, don't forget to check out TortugaBackpacks.com. Make sure to use that promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that'll get you 10% off your entire order. Speaking of things that are rugged yet classy, I cannot overstate how much I love my Bluffworks clothing. I have five pairs of their chinos. I also have their blazer, and I've done some things like hiking, literally hiking mountains in them. They're super stretchy. They don't wrinkle. They're great for any of those outdoor activities. And then I've turned around and worn them and to the theater. I went and saw Book of Mormon in London in my Bluffworks blazer and my Bluffworks chinos. So no matter what type of traveling you are doing, this is the perfect travel clothing. I urge you, check them out. They've got a lot of new products coming out. They've got some amazing stuff, and they are the only thing I wear when I'm traveling. You can check that out, bluffworks.com. Don't forget, you can use that promo code EPOP. That'll get you 10% off any of their non-sale items. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who only has one Louis Vuitton bag. 
my wife and constant travel companion, Heather. That is an interesting segue. Uh, yes, I have one, only one designer bag at all. Oh, Not to mention me. just one Louis Vuitton bag. I only have one designer bag. It is the Louis Vuitton. I wanted it forever, and we bought it at the original store in Paris. And we, from that, got two free glasses of champagne. So it was well worth yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, so two glasses of champagne, $1,000. It's like $500 glass of champagne <laughs> with a, a free bag, right? right so that's how exactly. we should live. You got a free bag because we paid $500 per glass of champagne. It was actually a little cheaper because we got VAT back. And the U.S. was good against the U.S. dollar was good against the euro. So it actually, it actually, it was a deal. It was yeah, a steal. Yeah, it was a steal. I think we should buy one every time we go back. An absolute steal. Well, hopefully the people don't vote for you and make us go back to Western Europe because then I guess we have to get a Louis Vuitton bag. Mm, if you guys yes, vote for me, vote for me. If you guys are just joining us, this is our third episode in our Throwdown Showdown series. Today we are going to be debating. Western versus Eastern Europe. And if you've missed the first two episodes in this series, you got to go back and listen to them. They've been some of the most fun podcasts we've done in recent memory. Throwdown number one was Portland, Oregon versus Vancouver, BC. Not Vancouver, Washington, Vancouver, BC. And we threw it up on our Instagram at Pack of Peanuts and at Heather Sherry. And the people have spoken and they have spoken very definitively that Heather. You are the champ of Portland versus Vancouver. You were arguing the side of, yes, Vancouver. of Vancouver for obvious reasons. And I think <laughs> that my main argument was the fact that you cannot beat the landscape of Vancouver when compared with Portland because you have the mountains, you have the coast right there. It's absolutely stunning. And then, you know, of course, if you listen, you know all the other arguments that I gave. So I'm not sure if it was the city is more loved and that's why I won or if my argument actually swayed people. I like to think maybe a little of both. Yeah, well, I hope. <laughs> we, we could get, go to Instagram. You could check it out. You could still weigh in despite the fact that we are now, we are crowning Heather as the champ of <laughs> Throwdown Showdown episode one. Thank you for everyone who, who wrote in. Top that said without question, I'm on team Heather for for this one, Vancouver, BC for the win. And I live two hours from PDX and four from Vancouver. So at top that on Instagram knows which uh, knows what they're talking about. We had a few other people basically just telling us uh, that Heather was right uh, at MB underscore Myers. Vancouver is everything Portland has, plus the natural beauty, striking skyline and the Aquabus. I would pick Vancouver over Portland <laughs> any day. <laughs> and of course, our good friend at Court Boar makes the point that at Heather Sherry is right as usual. As usual. I like that. I plus, like that. Canada just legalized cannabis yesterday. So for Vancouver, oh wait, that pretty much changes nothing. So there were some people <laughs> on my side. I got to give a shout out to at Toastis and a few other people. Thank you guys for weighing in and, and telling me that, that it was Port, that you agree with me in Portland, but overwhelming majority said that Heather Van and Vancouver, the champion yeah. of our Throwdown Showdown, Vancouver is one. just amazing. And if it was more affordable to live there, I would probably see if I could somehow get a Canadian visa and move there for sure. In fact, we've had an offer that you know we could get divorced and then marry our Canadian friends separately, you know, so that we could live there. I don't know; it might be worth it. it might be worth it. I, I think what is definitely worth it is at Chloe Royale said that we should definitely check out Seattle more. And yeah, I agree. That's true. Maybe next time we could throw a third city in there. Not as expensive as Vancouver, she says. Has a salt and straw. And you also that have the natural beauty. definitely so, 
a step in the right direction. That is a step in the right direction. So thank you guys for weighing in. Right now, the jury is out on our at on our throwdown showdown number two. That was Thailand versus Bali. So you can head to Instagram at Pack of Peanuts. You can also do it on at Heather Sherry. Let us know who is the winner there. I'm hoping that I can sneak in a win there for our throwdown showdown number two because if I do, that sets this one up as the rubber Ooh, a match. Tiebreaker. <laughs> as the tiebreaker. So guys, I need some love over there. A rubber match? Is that a wrestling no, term? Or? I mean, re- no, it's just a sports term. Oh, yeah. I'm unaware of this term. Yeah. Well, so anyway. <laughs> For those of you out there who are unaware of these sports references that Travis is throwing out, the I mean, match. I think... It's just a, a tiebreaker. Like, you're tied, mm-hmm. so now this is... Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's called the rubber match. If anyone knows, let us know. Also, <laughs> we really would love your suggestions. We, if you've loved this format, this throwdown showdown debate format, we love doing it, but... We're having a hard time coming up with other things that we know enough that we can debate. So send us your suggestions. Let us know. Um, again, you can do it on Instagram at Pack of Peanuts. Give us some other things that if you like this debate format that we can debate and we will certainly do it. Because yeah. we're, no, we're not against sitting on here and debating. No, we love a good argument. Yeah, of course. So let us know which things that you think we could debate. What are some cities, areas, or, or cities, countries, or even areas like today? Throwdown Showdown, episode number three. We're going to get into it right now. We're doing regions. And this is Eastern Europe versus Western Europe. If you've listened to this show at all, you can pretty easily guess who's going to take what side. But since you are the champ... I am going to give you the decision, mm-hmm. and you could you could throw it, you could change it up a little bit. You could throw me a curveball, Heth. You I got could Western. throw you a curveball, and and somebody did say it would be interesting for us to take the other side of what we would normally choose. But for this one, I am just going to stick with what I would normally choose, which is Western Europe. I definitely. You have turned me on to Eastern Europe. We've had some amazing trips there, some of the best, but my heart still lays with Western Europe for so many reasons. Well, let's, I mean, let's get into your reasons. Let's get into your reasons. As I said, you're the champ right now. You go first, Western Europe. What is it about Western Europe that you just say, this is just better? Yeah. Well, I'm going to start with kind of the obvious big reason is that there are cities in Western Europe that people dream about going as their trip of a lifetime. Not just cities, whole countries, but let's start with Paris. Amazing. Even if you don't like France, you want to go to Paris just because it's this idea of beautiful buildings and architecture and the river and the shopping and, you know, all sorts of amazing, amazing things in Paris the museums, the Louvre, the going to Versailles, which is just outside of Paris. So Paris being, I think, Paris and London, I feel people are always like, okay, if I want to go to a big city in Europe, those are kind of the top two. It's kind of like New York and LA in, in the US. You know, those are the big home runs. Not to mention the whole country of Italy, where you can eat the best food in the world the whole country of Spain where you can have tapas and drink wine for, I don't know, a euro or two at any restaurant. It's just, it's hard hard to beat those things. All right. So you're going, your first main point, sum it up. I think you do a great job. Those, these kind of iconic destinations and you hit it, London, 
Paris. You could throw Rome in there. You could obviously throw Amsterdam in there. Yes. These are places that, and, and I can agree with this, when I was younger mm-hmm. and yeah. less traveled, sure. I, these were the places that I saw, like, I just want to go to Italy. I yeah. just want to go to Spain. And listen, one of the things about these throwdown showdowns, and I'm not backing off, I'm just throwing yeah. it out there in the beginning. We love all of these places. We really do. But for me, one of the things that I love about Eastern Europe as a counterpoint to what you mentioned is that it is so much more under the radar. It's so much more less discovered and it's so much less touristed. And it's so true. at this point in my in my travel career, if you want to call it that, <laughs> I prefer to find places that aren't as iconic, that aren't maybe as I don't want to say as easy to get to because it's pretty easy to get a lot of places now. Um, you know, uh, tons of cities that before, you know, 30, 40 years ago might have been harder to get to. You can just fly right in. They have mega airports and stuff like that. But are these things that are a little, might be a little more difficult traveling, but to me are much more rewarding. And so the thing that I love about Eastern Europe is this idea that when you get to some of these places, you are... You're in that, I think, sweet spot between off the tourist, like the big, big, big tourist trail, but still there's plenty of other, there's expats, there's plenty of other tourists as well. So you're not, I mean, you're not throwing yourself down into the middle of Yemen or Syria or Iran, like anything that even I would have a bit of pause and be like, whoa, I'm going there, even though I would like to. But you're so it's comfortable enough, but you're also having an experience that might be a little more unique than your neighbor down the road who's going to go to Italy. It's true. You can have more, maybe authentic experiences when we were in Eastern Europe. You know, I feel like we had more actual experiences with local people where, you know, they invited us into their homes and they just were very welcoming and really excited actually to see American tourists. Like we're so happy that you are visiting our country. Whereas in Western Europe, you know, it's, well, they see thousands, millions, millions of tourists, you know, from America and all over the world. So they're not as excited and I'm not I'm not trying to put any points against myself in this argument I am just agreeing with you that you can have that authentic experience but you won't see you know the Eiffel Tower or you know in Barcelona the beautiful gaudy buildings and the Colosseum in Rome I mean you're you're missing out on some of those more iconic trips that people plan like this is a trip of a lifetime so i feel like western europe really encapsulates this big idea of you know if i could choose one trip that i'm going to go on it's probably going to be there if you want to see these historic places that are very famous one of the things that i love about eastern europe as well piggybacking on this historic i I think there's plenty of places to see in eastern europe that are would be close to as popular as like the Eiffel Tower and as the Colosseum and Big Ben if they were in places that were as well known. So we're talking, essentially, I guess I'm saying there are landmarks that you can find in Eastern Europe that I think would hold that same sway if they were better known. But one of the neat things that I I kind of enjoy about Eastern Europe 
is also the fact that when you go over to Eastern Europe, and you kind of touched on this, because you're not a horde, there's not always a horde of tourists, you are having, it's easier to have authentic experiences. And you mentioned, you know, we've had authentic experiences in Italy, in, in Spain. I mean, this isn't, it's not like you can't have them. Of course, there's local people who live there. And even if there are tourists coming through, there's still awesome people. I just find it so much easier to find these hidden gems than it is somewhere like a France, like a London, like a something like that. I also, one of the things that I love about Eastern Europe is, and again, this comes down to vibe, and this is probably where we differ the most, Mm -hmm. is that you have this grittier vibe. And I feel like in Eastern Europe that it's still... Certainly, these countries have been around for a long time, although if you if you head out to countries that used to be part of the Soviet Union, they've had their culture for a long time, but they've newly became an actual independent country. I love that there's a lot of Eastern Europe that is still kind of discovering itself. So not only are tourists discovering it, but it's still kind of coming into its own as countries, as regions as tourist destinations. So it's exciting to see the evolution. Right. You get to see, hey, what is, what are they going to start promoting in Romania? Like, what are the things to see? It, you know, not that you're the first person to ever see this stuff, but that it is evolving before our eyes. Whereas, again, you go to Spain, you go to France, you go to England. You know what you're going to get. Things are changing. But what you're going to get is so amazing. (laughs) <laughs> I, okay. I, I mean, again, I'm not a... There's a reason why it's so popular. And this is something that we've talked about on other podcasts, you know, is going to Italy worth it? Or we've done some podcasts like that because it is so popular to go there. But when it comes down to it, we concluded that there is a reason why people go there because it's amazing. Italy is so fantastic. It's one of my favorite countries by far, I love Tuscany. I loved Rome. I love Florence. It's one of my favorite cities. I mean, we have a picture of the Duomo just hanging in our living room because it's one of my favorite architectural buildings. It's just absolutely stunning. So I have to say that even though it is exciting to see these places that are new and evolving, it is a bit of a different trip because you can go to Florence and say, well, I want to see the Duomo because I've seen it in books and I know what I'm going to get and I'm going to get this pizza and I'm going to get this pasta and I'm going to, you know, go to this market and explore these things. And because so many of other people have been there, there's more research about it. So it makes it a little bit easier, I think, to plan the trips. You know, there's that ease of knowing what's ahead of you and having a lot of other people who have been there laying the path for you. So it's, yeah, maybe isn't as exciting as going and just like forging your own path. It's definitely more adventurous to go to someplace like in Eastern Europe, but sometimes you just want an easy trip where you sit in Tuscany and drink wine at a villa for two weeks. I think that that's how I rang in my 31st birthday or 32nd birthday is amazing. (laughs) It was amazing. I drank more wine that night than I've ever drank set before or since <laughs> thank you david and francesca uh for giving heather a fantastic birthday and me a fantastic headache but i see western europe more as a checklist type trip sure 
and Eastern Europe more as an experiential trip. And to me, at this point in my travel journey, and that being said, we've obviously we haven't checked all the boxes off. I mean, you could Rick Steves, right, spends all like only basically goes to Western Europe and has written guidebooks about it and still goes back and probably hasn't seen half of what he could see. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm done with Western Europe. I've checked it all Certainly off. not. But I am speaking from a place of someone who has gone and done the checklist stuff. We've gone to London a few times. We've gone to Paris a few times. We've been through Rome once. We've been to Florence a few times. So uh, we, you know, we've been into Barcelona and Spain. So there's still a lot to see. But I've, I'm speaking from a point of someone who has checked a lot of the bigger boxes yeah. off. And to me, then that leads me to say, all right, I want to start pushing forward. I want to start again blazing my own path a little bit. And you know, we're talking. I have, we have certainly not blazed our own path through through some of the further reaches of Eastern Europe. And one of the funny things about this debate is there's no definitive, like, hey, this is where Eastern Europe starts. This it's is where true. it ends. It's very which true. Is, which is kind of a funny thing to debate because Georgia, right? The country yeah. of Georgia, my favorite country, considered itself like, like Eastern Europe. Some people consider it Central Asia. It's past the boundary of Turkey, which is where they say Asia and Europe meet. meet. Yeah, it's, so it is a little bit ambiguous for right. sure. And Croatia, I mean, is Croatia Western or Eastern? Croatia is my favorite country. So I wasn't I sure if I could kind of throw it out as the Western Europe. I think it is. But is I, Greece I, Eastern or Western Europe? I, 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 they're on the border, right? And so I think for our purpose of debate, almost, you know, because I don't want to steal those from you. And yeah. I love Croatia and I love Greece. But those, I think it almost they changes. They lean towards Eastern I, Europe. Well, I mean, I think it almost changes in that. Croatia maybe 20 years ago when it was a little more undiscovered. Oh, absolutely. Would, if we were yeah. having this debate would maybe fall more Eastern Europe because it's it's almost a debate between a bit of the undiscovered Europe and a bit of the discovered Europe. And now I think Croatia and Greece would both fall into, especially Western, Greece, yeah. the discovered side yeah, of absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, Croatia, I feel is one of the number one destinations in Europe now. I mean, I, and I don't think it's just because of Game of Thrones, but that certainly has helped the situation well, because everybody also... wants to go to Dubrovnik. I mean, the, the tourism in the city of Dubrovnik is just absolutely insane to the point where they have to limit people coming in and out of there now. Which... Well, let's say it's probably one-third Game of Thrones, two-third the <laughs> EPOP Travel Podcast. Oh, Yes, everyone out there knows it's my favorite country, so they're saying I have to go there now. Right? I also <laughs> think, you know, it's hard. We're talking from our perspective. And so some people might be sitting there thinking, like, dude, we've known about Croatia forever. Sure. But, but you're taking your own perspective. Once we found, quote unquote, found out about Croatia and went to Croatia, of course, then it becomes more ubiquitous in our minds and we yes. hear people talk about it. But I, and that isn't to say to that previous point, I mean, you look at Prague. At, at, which would definitely be considered kind of the, in my mind, the the pinnacle of an Eastern European city, or at least right now, the leading Eastern European yes. city in tourism. And that certainly has been discovered, right? But that even still uh, being the number one, you know, most touristed Eastern European city still falls well behind France, well or well behind Paris, well behind London, well behind Barcelona, any of yeah. those places. 
but you know there there are certainly places that are on the map. Prague is on the map. I'd say Budapest is really starting to become a pretty hot destination, especially for European travelers. If you're in London, you can hop a oh, Ryanair yeah, flight for nothing be there so quickly. So it is. It, it the delineation line is kind of hard, and all that is to say is that we haven't even pushed out very like we haven't pushed out into Moldova. We haven't pushed out into like deep Ukraine. We haven't pushed out like into parts of Bulgaria or or then of course into the stands if you consider that Eastern Europe. I guess those would definitely then start falling into the Asia region. Um haven't been to Russia, right? Which would be I guess again real quote unquote Eastern Europe, at least the the western side of <laughs> Russia being like East Europe. So we ha- there's a lot to see. Haven't even been to Poland, which I think steadfastly falls in the Eastern European part. But the parts that we have been into, Bratislava um, and, and Slovakia. Sarajevo. Ser- Sarajevo. Sarajevo um, obviously popping down into Montenegro. We talk about Budapest. We talk about uh, the Czech Republic or che- Czechia now and, and Prague. I think that's enough for me to get a taste to say, okay, this is off the beaten path a decent amount. Now, like, what if I even continue more east? And that's one of the other big, for me, selling points of Eastern Europe is you almost have layers of how much it's discovered and layers of tourism. All right, so if we were to start with the first layer. The, that's very true. The easiest, right? Mm-hmm. Have Prague, okay? or And, and maybe even Budapest at this point. Um, or, or you could consider possibly Berlin, Eastern Europe, right? right? So you say, all right, this is going to give you a different feel than Western Europe, but certainly still on the tourist path. Then you go mm-hmm. further. All right, now I'm reaching into Bulgaria. I'm going down okay. into Montenegro. Then you start pushing more sure. and more. And you're like, whoa, now I'm real. I'm in Moldova. Like, what the heck is going on in Moldova, right? This is very true. But I, as a counterpoint to that, I want to point out that some of these countries in Western Europe, well, they have the hot spots, you know, like France has Paris. They're very large countries. Some of them, you know, triple the, the size of these Eastern European countries. So you can leave those big cities and those hot tourist areas and find rural places in France, in Spain, in Germany, in Italy. And even in ha- Switzerland, which is a tiny country. Even in Switzerland, which is a tiny country. And you can find these authentic off-the-beaten-path experiences just by going, you know, maybe an hour, two, three hours outside of these cities. And as another argument to that, you can take them on a very nice train because Western Europe has the best transportation system of anywhere in the world. I mean, Japan obviously has Japan like and, and Western Europe, the, the, the yeah. Shinkansen and amazing transportation. We lived there for two years and I was just astounded by how punctual and clean and, and well organized the transportation systems are there. But Western Japan, Europe yeah. is pretty much on par with that. And so if you don't want to take a disgusting dirty bus or an old train to one of these far flung places or even maybe a car that's like they call a bus filled with chickens and laundry to the wine country of Georgia, okay. which almost happened it's to us. A mashrutka. Uh-huh. Okay, please call it by <laughs> okay. its proper if name. If you would rather take And it was not filled beautiful... with chickens. It was filled with people and some 
trash. trash. Oh, right, Certainly right, right, not right. Chi- There was okay. no chickens. We're not in Central America. Okay, here. why did I think there were chickens? Uh, you're thinking chicken buses <laughs> in Central America. Okay, anyway. looping all these places together. If you'd rather find a more off-the-beaten path place in Western Europe, you can easily do it with very nice, comfortable transportation and have a beautiful experience in a rural part of these other countries that have some of the most beautiful countrysides and mountains like Switzerland. Oh my gosh, the mountains. Every picture you take, I haven't even talked about Switzerland, but every picture you take in Switzerland seems like it's fake. I was just talking to this about talking about this to someone the other day, just how fantastic and beautiful Switzerland is that you feel as though you're in some type of dreamland fairy tale. It's just incredible. So you can have those type of experiences anywhere in Western Europe if you leave the tourist spots. Right. The hard part about Western Europe, you can have those experiences. You better bring 10 credit cards because Uh if you want to have those experiences in Switzerland, it is very very but difficult you to can do have it on them the in Spain. Spain is a very affordable country. It's pretty, I would even say it's pretty cheap. Also, Portugal is more inexpensive than some of those other countries like France and the UK is right. You've pretty got, expensive. So you've got, you've got Portugal and Spain, eh, like let's say somewhat cheap, surrounded by France and Paris, one of the mm-hmm. most expensive cities in the world. Switzerland, crazy, crazy yeah, expensive. expensive. Italy, you get a little less expensive. And Amsterdam, obviously get up into Scandinavia. I mean, talk about 10 credit cards. You better have 20 credit okay. cards. Okay, but to be there. fair, I do think that Western Europe has cheaper options. For example, if you want to stay in a hostel, which we don't do very often, but Western Europe has very cool hostels with private rooms that are more like boutique hotels. So you can find ways to do it on on a budget because there's so much tourism and there's so much competition between all of the levels. I mean, obviously you can go high end, you can go middle, you can go low, but I think those places are all a little bit cooler and more set up because there are so many of them. Whereas in Eastern Europe, yeah, things might be cheaper, but you're not... Might be cheaper. They are cheaper, yes. They are Great. cheaper. That I think that Eastern Europe, and one of the big points for me, and if you guys listen to this podcast, of course, you know this is an important point. For me, the value is sky high. Western Europe is awesome. It's fun. Amazing countries. Obviously, runs a gamut from Italy, where it's relaxed, eating pizza, pasta. You know, you go up to Scandinavia. It's like there's a big okay. gamut of types of countries. It's true. But... For me, the value of Eastern Europe is that you still have countries that are very distinctly different, like go up to Estonia and then come on down. I guess we're not counting Greece as part of Eastern Europe, but come on down into parts of Turkey. Obviously, very different experiences. So I think both of those have a wide variety of countries, which is what is cool about both of them. You, you can, you're in a small area relative to, to the rest of the world. And yet you can pass through so many cultures and regions and and things like that. But prohibitively, uh, I think we could say that Eastern Europe is, again, on a whole, one third or half as half as expensive as Western Europe. And then that's not even including like Scandinavia. We're just talking in generalities. And for me, then you're getting this awesome experience. And it's so much cheaper that it just allows you to do more. I feel like if I'm staying at a hostel and I'm in Romania and it's like 20 bucks a night, I'm going to be like, this is amazing. A, because it's 
you know, my friends down the street have never been to Romania and they've never stayed in this hostel. But B, it's half as the price of a hostel that I'm going to get in Spain. So I just think the value, because it's so much cheaper and because I'm I'm getting a more adventurous trip, to me, it's a slam dunk when we talk about Eastern Europe. Okay. I mean, I will give you that argument. It is cheaper, but that doesn't always mean better. And I definitely think that Western Europe, you can find budget options if necessary. I agreed. I think that the biggest point and maybe the trump card in my argument mm-hmm. is is the cheap factor and we and we've already hit on that. But and I don't want to I don't want to help you out here, mm-hmm. but in my mind western Europe has a has something that while I okay, while I don't dislike the food in eastern Europe yeah. and I love pork knuckle and yeah, I love yeah. I've had some amazing food. I think that if we're talking Western Europe, the variety and the quality of food to me is better. And I'm making your point for you. I know that was going to be one of my arguments. And then you might as well have... make it now because I pulled out my trump card of, of cheap. <laughs> of cheap. So yeah. we're going to let oh, people well, decide I have, here. I mean, food wasn't even my trump card. I have something else on top of that. So I have a feeling I might be winning this argument. Okay, well, too. We'll Not let, to be cocky. I don't want to be too cocky. Decide. I don't want to be too cocky. People decide because I've, I've got another magic bullet Oh, okay. Here you have one. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go with the food one. And... The, my my two trump cards, I guess, food and, and the other one, they it just depends on what you like more. But for food, Western Europe is just like the best food we've ever eaten has been in Western Europe. We had amazing pizza and pasta in Italy. I mean, we made our own brick oven pizza when we lived when we were staying in Tuscany, and it was absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Once again, thanks to David and Francesca. Two and, shout outs on this yeah, podcast. And and not only that, not even just the brick oven pizza, but they had in their old in their farmhouse that we were staying at, they had in their kitchen an oven that they they built. It was like a not even an oven, um like a yeah, uh, it was an oven, like a brick. I yeah, a like a, br- a brick oven fireplace in their kitchen where they roasted meats and vegetables and those potatoes that Francesca made. Trav said was the best thing he's ever eaten. Okay, well, it was <laughs> okay. very good. So just having like the local Tuscan food and then obviously the quintessential you know, pasta and pizza that you can find in Italy. And, you know, in France, we didn't eat a ton of gourmet meals because France is expensive and to go out to those high-end restaurants you know could cost you a salary for the month but (laughs) we did eat which is one of my favorite things to do lots of bread and meats and cheeses and had picnics in the park which yeah i guess you can do in eastern europe but are they really known for their cured meats and cheeses Mm, some places maybe yeah i mean it's less it's less artisanal i mean i don't know it's might not be as fancy i mean there's a lot of meat in eastern europe pretty much charcuterie is my favorite thing to eat other than pizza so (laughs) when you can have really amazing cured meats and cheeses for pretty cheap at the grocery store we just go in and buy it and then sit in one of the gardens, the beautiful, beautiful gardens in Paris or sit by the Eiffel Tower even and have a picnic at night. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. In Madrid, you can literally go to the house of ham and get amazing bocadillas. I think it's called the, is it called the, ham- mu- the ham- museum The museum. Oh, yeah. Museum, museum of ham, not ham- even the house of ham. Um, house of ham. You house of ham. Museum here. of ham. 
and just all of this. We had wild boar that was cured when we were in Italy, again in Florence. Just honestly, the quality of meats and cheeses and the tapas in Spain. And, and even in the UK, I know that Trav doesn't, he usually says the UK doesn't have the best Yeah, food, I would but, not throw this into your argument. I would have and chips, stopped with nope, where you were. Fish and chips, amazing. Also, Indian food in the UK, some of the best Indian food that we've ever had, you, you know, outside of India, I guess, maybe better than in India. Anyway, <laughs> and I'm I'm missing lots of other countries as well, but just such, such good food that I dream about, not to mention gelato. Well, okay, so the desserts, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you this point that the desserts- Oh my gosh, tart? And, I didn't even talk about desserts in France. <laughs> the desserts and the diversity of food, if if you looked at it as a whole, might be higher in Western Europe. Again, we haven't spent a ton of time bumping around all of Eastern Europe. And I'm not just saying there isn't diversity, but I would just say Western Europe, it, it'd probably be pretty hard to make an argument for Eastern European food being better than Western European food. Obviously, you could throw the price in there, and that's going to help. Yeah. Uh, I would throw in Hachi Puri. I was just going to say, in Georgia, in Georgia, we had this amazing cheesy bread. Amazing cheesy bread, super fresh vegetables. There's certainly great food in Eastern Europe, but it is more of your, I guess you say, it's it's more standard. You're sitting there, you're like, all right, there's going to be a, it's going to be heavier. Um, it's going to be a lot of meats. It's going to be a lot of veggies, which, which can be very good. Um, but yes, it's. If you if you throw Croatia in there, you're talking about a lot of fish um, and a bit of that Mediterranean food. If you throw Turkey in, then we're really starting to expand. But if I'm talking about, I guess, the, the heart of Eastern yeah. Europe, which would be the Slovakia, the Czech Republic, the Hungary, the Poland, like not really known for it being a top no. foodie destination like you would have in Italy, in yeah. Spain, of course, I think Paris. Western and Europe, and then if you get into Middle Eastern more is the food that I like, Lebanese and things like that, that's Right. And even That's I where can't at. stretch the boundaries of Eastern no. Europe to that point. No, far. I don't so think so. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to give you a little bit of a thumbs up there. I think yeah. uh, definitely I would take cost. You would take food. I mean you might as well throw out your other okay. trump card My here. My other trump card is the fact that most of these countries touch the Mediterranean Sea. And I know like I guess technically Turkey has some yeah, has a lot of beach, coast. Uh, some coastline, but it's not the as uh, it's not in my opinion. Well, uh, okay, I haven't been to the coastline of Turkey, but from what I've heard and what I've seen, you can't really compare it to the amazing coasts on the Mediterranean Mediterranean Sea off the coast of France, off the coast of Italy, off the coast of Spain. Oh my goodness, it's some of my favorite places that we've ever been to. And we've never even been to Southern Italy, like to Positano and all of that. But we've been to Corsica. That was one of my favorite islands we have ever been on in my life. The beaches there were incredible. The Bonifacio is the most striking place when we drove up to there. Up there, I almost just like died from the overwhelming beauty of it. Well, then we went up into the mountains of Corsica. We were in Majorca this past summer, and that was absolutely incredible. We've barely touched on the islands that are in the Mediterranean Sea off of Western Europe. And that's not to mention like Barcelona just being right there on, on the Mediterranean. Okay. And, and furthermore, we're going to talk about Scotland and the coast of 
England, when Dover is one of the most amazing cliffs you'll ever see. Going to Ireland and going to the like the wild, wild side of like the cliffs of Moor. You're just not getting that type of view in Eastern Europe. I just, that's for me that the opportunity to see such striking, amazing, natural beauty, just because I love water and I love the ocean, similar to Vancouver. I the, One of the reasons I love Vancouver so much is because it's on the ocean. Well, if you're, <laughs> if you're taking away Croatia from me and Greece. No, I'm not taking then, those away. Then you have, you have yes, that. Of course. Then Eastern Europe, a bit yes. more landlocked. Of course, you have the Black Sea mm-hmm. and and parts of Bulgaria and Romania and uh, touching yes. that and Ukraine. Yes. I, I would agree, though. We've been to the Black Sea on the Georgian side. Cool. Yes, it's not the stunning cliffs or, or stunning beaches that you were talking about. Haven't been up to the Baltic Sea. I think it's probably pretty neat, except, again, colder weather. So mm-hmm. you're going to... You're going to spend less time there, at least in that, hey, I want to hang out at the mm-hmm. beach type vibe. So I get it. You're, you're stealing Croatia. You're stealing Greece. I, even, or, even even if you take Croatia and Greece, I mean. Well, if I take Croatia and Greece, I think the beach argument becomes a, a, it, it a becomes bit closer. or closer. Because, I don't on. think it becomes tied because there's so much more of, of Western Europe. So I'll even throw you a bone and let you say that you can have mm. Croatia and Greece if you must. But... <laughs> I still have Corsica and um, Malaga and all of those and Zlatny all those Rot, other Zlatny Rot Beach off the coast of Croatia. Beach. Dubrovnik, I mean, you listen, said you're Croatia is one of my the most, favorite country. Yeah. So Santorini <laughs> was pretty awesome. Yeah. The beaches right. of Paros. Greece is amazing. In that in that Croatia <laughs> Greece area, it does become a bit a bit depending on who gets that part. Um, it, that argument could change, but it could change. But those those beaches and those areas are they they feel more Western and they have some of the same, you know, landscape of the Western Europe beaches. So, yeah. I, I think I want to end mine my little segment here. Oh boy! On the fact that. If I can't convince you of why Eastern Europe is better, <laughs> and and I think I've done a very good job, um, if you're an adventurous traveler, and I'll just recap it, and okay. then I'll give you my little magic bullet. If you're an adventurous traveler, you want something a little more or off the beaten path. You definitely want something significantly cheaper. And by that, we mean half the price of Western Europe and probably a third the price of some of the pricier places in Western Europe, Scandinavia, Paris, Okay, you're London. making your point. Mm-hmm. Then for me, it's almost a no-brainer with Eastern Europe because it, again, you can, I love the idea that you can dip your toe. And if you're, if you're a little hesitant and you say, all right, well, I've been to Western Europe or, or I get why Western Europe is easier, but I want to be a little more adventurous. I want to explore a little more. Then you dip your toe and you go to Prague, you go to Budapest. Oh, let me push further. And again, you're pulling. It's it's really neat because you can just continue to pull layers off and you can continue to push your comfort zone little by little by little. As you honestly, it's almost like if you just keep moving further east, you'll continue to get more rustic, cheaper, but, a, you know, it'll be a it'll be a harder traveler and you'll be like more off the beaten path. And that's what I absolutely love about Eastern Europe is that you can continue to explore and have these these different experiences and different levels and feel like 
even though it's, you're not the only person going through there, you can start to feel like, man, this is really unique compared to what I see on Instagram, compared to what I hear at when I go to church or my kid's baseball game and they're going on a trip to Italy, you can be like, no, I'm going to Georgia. I'm going to like, okay. I'm going to the Ukraine. The you cool know, factor. You can really raise some eyebrows. So you have that that bit of cool, hip, trend, like you're a trendsetter factor. But if I can't convince you with all that I just said, mm-hmm. just grab one of my favorite books in the world called The Hidden <laughs> Europe by Francis Tapon. He knows Eastern Europe a thousand times better than I do. And that's probably even doing it a bit of injustice. He went around to all the countries in Eastern Europe. And it's funny because he talks about how do you delineate what's Eastern Europe or not. So that's like the beginning of the book, which is fun. He comes to the conclusion that you can't really, but he goes to all the countries and it's essentially in my mind, the reason I love it so much, it's like a history book on Eastern Europe mixed with a really hilarious travel log. So you'll learn about these amazing places through his experiences, but he also then throws in like why there are certain ways and he learns about the history. And uh, from that book, we found we had one of our favorite days traveling ever in Montenegro. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's chapter by chapter by country. Yeah. So you can flip back and forth if necessary or if you read it and then want to refresh. Yeah. So I would recommend you try reading it all the way through or if like what we do whenever we're going to Eastern Europe, like, oh, we're going back to Montenegro. Let me read the Montenegro chapter and it can stand alone on its own. So check it out. Even if you're even if you're one of those people who might agree that Heather's right, <laughs> still get this book. You'll love it. And it will spur a wanderlust in you to really. And for me, this was one of the big things of me really falling in love with Eastern Europe was just reading this, hearing his story and wanting to recreate some of that magic for myself. So I, I would just recommend that book, The Hidden Europe, for sure. Okay, so now should I recap? You can recap. You can give your closing can arguments. I blow and- you out of the water with my recap. So basically, I started off with saying that Western Europe has those big ticket trip of a lifetime places that do not disappoint for a reason. Um, and especially if you go in the shoulder season, you can avoid some of the you know throngs of tourists. So the big ticket trip of a lifetime. Uh, second, the food. Well, actually, second was the amazing transportation to get to those off the beaten path places. Number three was the delicious, incredible food that you can have, the diversity of the food. It will not disappoint. And uh, fourth was the coastline. I just, wow. I Just thinking about it now makes me so excited to just I, I move there. Honestly, I mean... Okay, champ. (laughs) All right, champ. So we've already said that Heather wants to throw down showdown number one, Portland versus Vancouver. The jury is out still on Thailand versus Bali, which was our second episode. Yeah, and that's definitely a close one for sure. And then probably the one, I'm not saying we were looking forward to the most. The other two are really fun. But we know, and we've said this on previous podcasts, like you're a Western European girl. I'm an Eastern European guy. So we knew that this would be the ones that for sure are different. I will say something in your favor, Trav, that when we did, when we've done a lot of Eastern Europe, we've done them kind of in a, in a higher fashion, what we call the bougie style when we did bougie Budapest. And even when we were in Georgia, we kind of did it on a, a, a nice scale where it's still cheap, but because, you know, you just because you can stay at places for $10 a night doesn't mean that you have to. You can spend like 40 or even 80 and stay at almost <laughs> four to five star places. So there is that factor of kind of living like a king or a queen in Eastern Europe that you would not be able to do 
with a reasonable budget in Western Europe. And so that have- is kind of cool. I will say that to you. Not because I'm not, I'm not saying that I've won this argument, but I will throw out there that you're, in Eastern you're Europe. You're trying to help me out here. This is, oh man, I'm, <laughs> you've been, you're the champ. So you're like, you feel pity on me. No, I, I don't feel I pity do on want you. to say, I'm on just that, saying that is a cool factor of being in Eastern Europe. On that live like a king note, I'll leave you with two, two thoughts on this. One, for a similar price, you could do super budget Western Europe yes. or you could do bougie Eastern Europe. Yeah. And for me, I would rather do bougie Eastern Europe than super budget Western Europe. Again, both are awesome. You should do both. In all these throwdown showdowns, <laughs> yeah. we, we love, love both, both of the sides. But to me, I'd prefer a bougie Eastern Europe or even a little below bougie Eastern Europe for less than I could for like a pretty budget trip in Western Europe. Second, with the king thing, tons of undiscovered castles in Eastern (laughs) Europe. That is true. Gonna throw that out there. You know there's castles in Western Europe and they're cool. But man, get to some of the castles in Eastern Europe, like things you've never heard of. We went to a few in Slovakia. They were we very car. cool. It's it true. Like one day we just that drove around. We didn't true. even know where we were oh, going. Oh, no, I feel like I'm losing so, ground. I feel We have to end the podcast. We'll end it there. Just saying <laughs> lots of undiscovered castles in Eastern Europe versus kind of the big, and this is the essence of the whole debate, a bit more undiscovered versus the big name castles and stuff that, of course, sure. you're going to see in Western Europe as well. So- there you guys have it. Please, please, please. We knew this would be the argument that would that we would really have definitive sides on. Mm-hmm. And we went a little over our 30 minute time. Oh yeah, we forgot to set a timer. Whoops. But that's okay because this these are regions. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot to yes, say. Yes, there's a lot to say. So let us know. We need you especially to weigh in on this one. I'm hoping it's a rubber match. Once we get the results in from Thailand versus Bali, I'm hoping Throwdown Showdown number three here is a rubber match and we get to decide a true champion of this mm-hmm. Throwdown Showdown series. But let us know. You could do that on Instagram at Pack of Peanuts at Heather Sherry. We'll post it on both of those. Tell us who you think won and and also why. Like that's a big thing too. I loved reading through the comments of people saying, here's why I think that Heather was right, which was mostly the comments for Vancouver. (laughs) There are a few, here's why I think Travis was right for Portland. Um, So let us know why, or if you've been to certain areas, like tell us your experiences as well, because I think that the debate aspect of travel is one of the most fun parts of traveling. Everyone has their specific likes and dislikes and pros and cons and they're different even if like you and i go to the same place heth it's like we see things through a different lens because we're different types of travelers so we'd love to hear what yours are as well i would say if you want to hit and and we didn't make this point if you want to see the stark difference the oh easiest way gosh. to see the stark difference between eastern and western europe go to vienna <laughs> hang out in the completely whitewashed beautiful, beautiful clean clean vienna Take a bus. These are the two capitals that, that are two of the capitals that are closest in the world. I don't I, I think now they've been overtaken by uh, two African countries, but Bratislava in Slovakia and Vienna in Austria, both capitals of their countries, they're an hour apart. But then you get to Bratislava and you show up and you're in the train station. You're like, this is completely yes. different than Vienna. It's, uh-huh. I it's was what, a little shell shocked when we stepped off the bus. And I mean, Bratislava has lots of beautiful, you know, clean areas, but they're like I said, the the transportation is sorely lacking. And then we then took an overnight train from Bratislava down to split Croatia. And let me tell you, that was not an enjoyable trip. It was very Eastern European. Also, this was 
five years ago. So it could have come a long way since then. I'm not trying to throw any shade on (laughs) Slovakia at all. But yes, you can definitely see quite a difference between Bratislava and in Vienna. Especially where the train came in. Like you're in the quaint little town of Bratislava, like the The old city of the old city. And you're like, whoa, this is really beautiful. beautiful. But you get out of that and it gets, (laughs) I I don't want to say dicey as in dangerous. It just gets Eastern European, (laughs) um, which I loved. So you can, if you're ever in that area, you take the bus in between them and you will see the very stark difference in less than an hour between those uh, two regions. To me, that's like that's that's the demarcation line. So no matter where you guys are traveling, whether you're going Western Europe, Eastern Europe, or both, which is, you know, do both if you can. Um, we've got two amazing travel companies that are sponsors. You guys know them. Tortuga Backpacks. Uh, use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. That'll get you 10% off any order. And our new sponsor, Bluffworks Travel Clothing. You can also use the promo code there. I have to say that when Trav started wearing Bluffworks, I was never happier because the pants are very nice. They look very good. And he doesn't need to wash them very often because they just hold up very well and they don't wrinkle. So I never have to iron them for him. They're just awesome pants. And it's really the only thing that you wear. So I you know, you should maybe get a few different colors. <laughs> I, I, you're right. I have all five colors of their chinos. And I would say when I'm in Western Europe, I've thrown on their Bluffworks blazer, like when we were going <laughs> to show in London, and yeah. I could feel like I fit into the high class lifestyle of Western Europe there. So yeah, check it out, bluffworks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, same promo code. That'll get you 10% off any of their non-sale items. And ramping up to this Black Friday time they have a bunch of stuff on sale so you could get it on even more of a discount um than the coupon code which gives you 10 percent off and they've got a few new items coming out as well so you could check that out bluffworks.com don't forget to heth we've got three really fun travel projects our, our newest i guess projects that have been over the last couple of years if you like travel you're gonna like these three things first is our app jetto Jetto is so incredible because all you do is input, well, you download the app first and then you input which airports you are going to be flying out of. For example, for us, we put in Philly or Newark or JFK, anything in the surrounding area. And then you will get cheap flight notifications when there's a deal. Like I'm talking, what is it usually 50% off? Yeah. And flights to all over the world. I mean, you can go to Europe, you can go to Eastern Europe, you can go to Western Europe, you could maybe even do them both in the same trip. So this app is fantastic. It's totally free to download. And we just love it. And even if you just want some inspiration, like the pictures of the places really give me some wanderlust. Yeah. And we've been seeing a lot more deals to Eastern Europe as well since we started this about six months ago. So which is pretty neat. I'll give you the latest one that I found to Europe because there's a bunch of other ones that weren't going to Europe. Um, Bru- Dallas to Brussels, three uh, Belgium. So there you go, Western Europe, three hundred and forty-three bucks. That came in yesterday, and that is a round trip. That ticket. is a round trip ticket. So Jetto, J E T T O. That's the app. Don't forget as well. We've got a community of people who are all helping each other grow, scale, and start location-independent businesses. So if you're someone who's sitting there saying, 
don't really like my cubicle job or just want something on the side like that hopefully could become a full-time gig so I could travel more and lead, lead a life that's full of travel versus just taking vacations. That's what we do inside of Location Indie. You can get on our email newsletter list. That's the best thing to do is go over, get on our email newsletter list. We'll send you a lot of cool resources to get you started. And we'll also let you know when the community is open again, because it's a closed community. Um, so we only let people in a few times a year. So you can do that location indie, com. Third, we've got a brand new podcast out called Ask Epop. We need your travel questions. Yeah, anything, any questions that you have about travel in general uh, or frequent flyer miles, anything like that, we are holding ourselves to 10 minutes an episode. So they're going to be right. really, really short. If you want to send us any of your questions, you can do that. Uh, Trav at extrapackofpeanuts.com or Heather at extrapackofpeanuts.com. Yeah. And the easiest way to do that is just go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash ask ASK. Fill out that short form. That is that sends it to a specific area that we have all the questions there. Or you can use the hashtag ask epop as well so get those questions in guys i've been rolling through some of the uh the questions already i've been recording a bunch of podcasts with that and i want more questions i need more (laughs) questions to keep this thing going so get us your travel questions specifically if they're about miles and points as well because we're we're uh, kind of making sure we hit that pretty hard because you you all asked for that kind of stuff so thank you guys as always, this was awesome. Throwdown Showdown series. This is the third episode. The hopefully rubber match. Again, let us know who Tie you thought won this for debate. for those of you who don't know about rubber match. That's right. Western <laughs> Europe versus Eastern Europe. You can let us know at Pack of Peanuts, at Heather Sherry. We'll put a, a, a picture up or a few pictures up on a post on Instagram, and you can comment below, and we'll tally those up and, uh, and announce who was the winner on one of our next shows. So thank you guys for the support. As always, that continues to make us the number one rated travel podcast on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris The most visited city in 2017 is Bangkok, Thailand. Did you guys guess that? Thanks, napkins.